Hey everyone, welcome back to the Basa de Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Chili Schlafrock, and I want to thank you for listening. For this month's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Miri Kaiser. Miri is an avid lover of the outdoors and has worked in outdoor education for the past 10 years. Miri has experienced leading trips for adults and young people alike, encouraging exploration, curiosity, and connection through going out into natural environments. She has a certificate in adventure therapy and is a wilderness first responder. In this conversation, we speak about how Mary got into the outdoors, what she does now, and how she views the outdoors. We also get a really cool look into the world of wilderness therapy, which is a field that I also had the opportunity to work in. I really enjoyed having this conversation with Mary, and I hope you enjoy hearing it. Hey Mary, how's it going? I'm good. That's good to finally connect, Haley. Yeah, good to see you. So glad that we're doing this, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today. So Yeah, totally. I'm really excited to jump in. Yeah, me too. So I usually like to start out just asking people about their introduction to the outdoors. So where did your passion for the outdoors start? Uh, were you kind of a kid who was like hiking a lot and camping as a kid and going out with your family and doing stuff like that? Was that kind of you or were you more of a city kid? What was that like? Um, well, I didn't, I definitely didn't grow up doing any of the outdoorsy stuff with my family as a kid, you know, doing the camping trips or hiking. Um, I grew up in the, the suburban part of Toronto and uh, that is where I stayed for most of my childhood and early teenage years. And the, my first real exposure was actually a camp that I went to when I was about 15, I think it was somewhere around like 10th grade. And it was actually a camp that my older brother had, I want to do it. And it was a six weeks adventure camp. And really all you did was hike, bike, bike and canoe. And I hadn't done, yeah, it was amazing. And I didn't like really get what I was signing up for. I'm like, oh, this is different, whatever. Let's try it out. And that was my first foray into this world. And it was intense. We would do, it was upstate New York and we would be doing like four day backpacking trips and spending the week canoeing in Adirondacks. And We did a 65 mile bike ride. And these are like a bunch of girls who not necessarily had experience in the outdoors. And that completely blew my mind. I I went back the next summer and then came to visit the summer afterwards. And that was the real starting point to this, um, to this part of my life, which, you know, was so, so huge for me now. Yeah. That sounds like a really cool introduction to the outdoors. Mm. Week long canoeing trips in the Adirondacks. That sounds pretty sweet so we'll get to what happened in the middle there but what's your current relationship to the outdoors look like what do you what do you do now that brings you joy outside that is such a good that's such a big question (laughs) what is my (laughs) current relationship now um i you know it's been over 10 years since that last decade has been filled with different learning and working and living experiences 
um, touching different points of the outdoors, whether it was, you know, environmental education or um, like a mental health program. And um, I, right now, maybe to clarify that, so possibly clarify that question more. Yeah. What are some activities in your life mm, like that you do outdoors? So right now for the little, this little chunk of time, I'm actually living in a city. I'm in Jerusalem. Um, and so being in that, you know, that's always hard for me when I find myself in a city and I'm just dying to get out. And sure. sometimes that means something as simple as like getting to a green park, taking my mm. dog for a walk. Sometimes that's the, the most I'm going to get uh, on a good day. I'll convince a friend who has a car to drive out to the outskirts and, there's some incredible like hiking right in right outside of the Jerusalem um, city limits. And it's, it's definitely something that's chat, like a huge challenge for me actually right now. And uh, in the next, you know, in the, in the, in the coming future, I'll actually be moving back to uh, the, the, the great green land. Um, <laughs> so I'm really excited because that's been, you know, the past, the past few years have really been eye-opening and learning that what a priority is for me to be situated in a place where I have access to nature. And that means not just being able to drive there. That means like literally being able to walk there. So, yeah. So currently it's a little bit hard to being in, being in a city it's doable, but you really just have to be committed and, uh, um, yeah. Getting getting closer soon. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Um, I was wondering. You said you said you were working in uh, outdoor education. Can mm. you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I, it might have even been my first job after college. I worked at a program called Teva, which is at Isabella Friedman, now also part of Chazon. And that was a environmental education program for, for Jewish students in like fifth and sixth grade. And they came up for a week and they stayed there because it's a like a retreat facility. So they actually had the means to do that. And we spent the week exploring the woods with them in a, in a lens that was creating environmental awareness and having that conversation in a Jewish context as well. And that was like, cool, because I hadn't, again, like I didn't grow up in a community or um, even particularly a home that talked about this, you know, about um, composting and recycling or some, you know, and um, our environmental impact and footprint. And I, even though I was an educator, I was learning so much about, Mm -hmm. um, everything really even something you know even on our days off you know we had a there was a lot of like peer leading and it's a friend was like do you want to learn um what the medicinal properties of goldenrod is i was like absolutely and there was like this really fun social learning that was happening amongst the the community that we formed there so that was awesome (laughs) i had like that was amazing i that yeah, sounds really cool. Only, what were yeah. some of the what were some of the things that were being taught? So you mentioned like the medicinal properties of plants, and was that being like tied into the Judaism? 
that was not actually part of the curriculum we were teaching to the students. Like that was oh, okay. all because we were living on in this beautiful piece of land out in Connecticut. So that was, you know, on our weekends off and we were roaming mm. around and hiking. And that's also, you know, when there's just shared knowledge amongst people who love being in the outdoors. And so, sure. so much of the learning happened outside of the the program itself. Mm-hmm. And that was also the first time I was living properly not in a city. I was living, you know, we woke up to the misty lake every morning and we had, we called it a vote that live, which is a kind of like prayer communal prayer service that was just intentional and led as a community. And it was also, it was like, wow, it changed so much of my just day-to-day orientation to constantly be centered in land and not come mm-hmm. back to like a city. It was amazing this has come up a couple of times now the difference between being in a city and being out somewhere in a further natural setting I was wondering if and you said that this was the first time that you had done that I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to what that was like at the beginning to move from a pretty major city to a farm in Connecticut Mm. Yeah. And, and you're definitely touching, there's like this dichotomy, I think for young people and I'll just speak for myself where there's this desire to be connected to a vibrant social life, which often you find in bigger cities. And then there's also this really strong draw to be in constant connection with nature. Mm-hmm. And I know it's something that I felt, you know, even as even with nature being such a, such a like strong principle and priority of mine, I've constantly found myself living in cities and it's this funny dance I do where, you know, I'm, I'm like living in a city and I'm like, absolutely no more. (laughs) And then I'm like, Mm. and I like go move to Vermont and live like pretty remotely and then find myself like craving community and community exists out there. I think it's it just a little bit, you have to really try harder. I'd say it's, you know, it's less at your doorstep. And I will add also like they're, you know, doing something like that during COVID was also challenging, which is like probably its own conversation, <laughs> but right, like, that makes you know, how this has affected our relationship, but um, yeah, it's really been this dance and I, and I imagine that it will continue to be so. And there's just, there are other parts of my life that are also really important to me. And I do, I, that's, that's what I'm trying to create a situation for myself where I can be connected to community and live in a little cabin in the woods somewhere. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> That is the dream. That I want sounds... my cake and I want to eat it too. And you should be able to. <laughs> Trying, feeling, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So you mentioned Vermont. What were you doing up in Vermont? I was working in a wilderness therapy program out there in northern Vermont, um, which was like one of the best things I think I've ever done in my life. Wow. Wilderness uh, yeah. therapy. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? What did that include for you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, talk about like what wilderness therapy is. Yeah, let's start or, there. Okay. A little brief description. Wilderness therapy is, 
using the outdoors as a modality. And that can be for many things. It can be for healing, for connection, for community. I think in a vague way, you can say we always experience wilderness therapy. You know, when I go outside of the city um, to get a few hours of fresh air and, you know, a green landscape, I, that's wilderness therapy, but <laughs> to, to answer it in a more formal way of a program, I'd say that there's a clinical component of that as well. And the, the program that I was working in, as well as there's a number of them around the States as well, is working with adolescents or young adults who are struggling with mental health and they're living outside for, you know, on average around a hundred days, if not more. And being outside is a real, there's such an exposure to yourself. Mm. And there is so, so much to be learned from every, like everyone, really everyone, but especially when you take an individual who is struggling with in some aspect of their life and you're, you're supporting them, but you're challenging them as well. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're in this environment, which is so just naturally challenging, especially, you know, you're out there. I spent the winter out there and it's freezing, you know, and like, you don't even have to do anything. It's like, literally it's like, how are you in Vermont? Yeah. And it's like, how do you survive this cold? Like physically and emotionally. And it's just when you're, when you're put into environments like that, uh, it really pushes your limits and you get to meet parts of yourself, which you don't, you don't really get to do that in a, in a normal context. And, you know, you get to, you get to be a part of this, of this journey and this experience with, with people and experience it myself. And that's also, you know, like I'm there, I was working as a field guide and, you know, the amount of reflection and change that I experienced personally over those, those months was extraordinary. Um, sometimes I even felt selfish about it. And I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just, <laughs> I'm like doing this for me because I get so much out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I can probably talk for an hour about wilderness therapy, but in a little nutshell. Yeah, no, thanks for that. Yeah introduction that sounds really cool and so you're saying that going out and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones can have some real positive impacts on our mental health and I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more to some other mental health benefits of being outside in nature I'll start here (laughs) you know one of the and I'll just share really from (laughs) my like what do I experience when I go out there Um, yeah please yeah, how, how I feel affected. And the first thing that comes to mind is the sense of quiet. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, something that's really um, severe t- today, and again, I experienced myself, is the amount of distraction and noise coming from every angle constantly. And and mind you, you can still, you know, we I do it myself, bring our phones out there, and it's like it comes with you. 
But, you know, when you're really out there and, you know, you, you lose cell reception and maybe you're just with one other person, maybe you're just with yourself, there's a sense of quiet that I, I think is one of the most valuable things today to have. And there's a kind of listening that is just so important for us to experience as frequently as possible, but even seldomly if we can. And, you know, the, the experience that I can share is like the, there's something really comforting I found about when you're in some, you're in the, you're in a place that's so massive, you know, you're, you're standing at this in middle, either like a forest or at the peak of a mountain. And you have, you're, you're looking out on this vast landscape. And I always have this moment of like, the world is so big, like this universe is so big and it can hold my problems. Mm. And I find that it's such a beautiful counter to the feeling of overwhelming over overwhelm that I get. If something, if there's something particular that's stressing me out or I'm anxious about it and it feels like it's so consuming, it, it feels so small and it feels so tight. And there's something about coming into nature that is so like, I can, like, it can hold it for me. Like I can put it down and just remember that, um, like I'm okay. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like, we can get blindsided often when we're dealing with our own issues um, and not, not to mitigate them. Like, you know, people, like people really suffer and people have like really painful things in their lives that they're dealing with. And it's, I don't, it's not that this, you know, well, one, I do think for a moment, sometimes stepping out of that. I don't think it's, I wouldn't call it a distraction, but sometimes it can offer you some more observation or perspective. Um, but yeah, there's something like very, it's like a, it's a something supportive and very gentle, like helping you hold the weight of our lives. Um, Just the, so the magnitude of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really a word. So could you speak to a time when you really felt that massiveness of nature and it had that impact on you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'll touch back onto my first experience as a, as a teen when I was in this camp. And I remember we had an overnight hike and this was the first overnight hike of the season. And I remember it was actually a place called Hunter Mountain uh maybe in new york yeah so it's and there's a fire tower on top of that and i hope i'm i hope i'm getting the right mountain (laughs) and we did a night hike and that means you know we started at like three in the morning and we hiked until we made it to the top and we made it just in time for sunrise and a few of us climbed up the tower and i think that may have even been the first time i saw a sunrise wow like, you know, that as like a, like cognitive being, mm-hmm. not as like a four-year-old when sure. I probably didn't sleep, but like that was, that felt like a life-changing moment. 
to see the sun come up on top of a mountain that I just climbed. Um, and I don't, I don't really know if I can describe it, that there's something, there's like this feeling that I just felt filled by. Mm. Um, there was something so like generous and gracious and yeah, I think it's like one of those indescribable feelings where I felt so, and I think, and perhaps this is touching on the mental health thing as well, where you really get filled with this sense of presence. There's nowhere else in the world where you need to be other than right here. And, and, um, that, yeah, that, as that was like one of the very first moments that, that I really got to experience this and it, it was huge. Yeah. Just wow. Remember, just remember wow. the mountain. Yeah. It's, you mentioned like how you have nowhere else to be, but here. I think that's really powerful and how you also like, I've had these experiences as well, where it kind of feels like I can't be anywhere else. Yeah. Like this is just, and that massiveness has come into play and being like, wow, there is nothing around me for 20 miles. Yeah. And this is like you said, all I have to do and all I like, it's not like I don't have cell phone service. I don't have a choice to open up Instagram. I'm just there and on top of this mountain, just looking out and wow, there's nothing. Yeah. And, and I didn't even touch on the whole empowering bit, you know, talk about mental health. Um, yeah. You know, I, there was a girl who like was smoking six packs of cigarettes a day in that program. And she did everything. And I don't even need to talk about her. I can talk about me. Like I never did this stuff. I never, you know, we did a 65 mile bike ride. And it's like, I never went like further than my school when I was biking at yeah. home, you know? And then you're just, whether you're like 10 or you're 16 or you're 25 or you're 40 time and time again, when I talk to people and we share experiences, there's always just like, I did not think I was going to be able to do that. Or like, I did not think I could finish that hike or what, or get through that storm or whatever it is you, you, and when, you know, when we say your comfort zones, it's, it's while this is the physical part of it, it is so profoundly impacts your, your like emotional well-being when you see how competent and capable you are and realize what you can actually accomplish oh my god that's that's such a big deal because yeah. you know like so many insecurities and we're constantly doubting ourselves and like to prove ourselves right that like we can do it and that yeah can definitely can understate that yeah. Mary, can you speak to a time when you really felt a connection both to your Judaism and to the natural world where those parts of yourself were interconnected in a way that was really impactful? Yeah. Um, more recently, I 
I uh, led a backpacking trip in New Hampshire last summer, and it was a group for for young Jewish adults. And it was over the weekend. It was a Thursday to Sunday trip in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And I had scouted out this spot, which was this little forest right next, well, yeah, right next to an alpine lake. And there was this big, it was like this massive rock in like that you would use to cross the lake. And we, um, we set up camp and we like did, you know, we set up an Arab and we prepared food for Shabbat and like, we really did the whole shebang <laughs> and Friday night, I remember it was a group, it was about eight of us and we walked out into the rock and you kind of have to like, you know, you take your, your shoes, you have to wait in the water a little bit and you get to this massive rock. And I remember you look out one direction and you have this like crazy expansive view of the mountains and the sun setting and you know what has that golden glow sunset hour and then you turn around and on the other side of this massive rock we were sitting on is you we were watching the moon rise over this alpine lake wow and I felt like a puppy. I was like, where, where do I look? Like, wait, I, I'm like, oh my God, I, <laughs> I need a, I need like a 360 concept view right now. And we just sat there and actually for, for a good few moments, everyone was just speechless. Like no one even tried to say anything. And then it just flowed. Like we organically, everyone started singing and we did Kabbalah Shabbat together on this literal magic rock i like i yet to be in a spot that felt so i don't i don't even know but and i'm pretty sure i cried yeah <laughs> and it was just and it was a combination of all of those things it was like i literally felt like i was sandwiched mm. by like the this gorgeous natural world and here I was and and in the meat the literal meat of the sandwich was like this joining in community and celebration and and like what is it that we're singing to is and I'm not singing to I would say it's like what is it that we're singing with mm. felt very potent and like singing Kabbalah Shabbat it was I really felt like we were just all, and I mean, not just the people there. I mean, that we all were just singing. And um, I really, I mean, it's a broad statement, but I think that's a lot of what prayer is. And the that connection between nature and Judaism, I like, it's almost like when I say like connection between Judy and Judaism and nature, it's like, they, they, they are, they're just overlap. Like it's the same thing. It's almost like I can't draw a line from A to B because A and B are just too intertwined. Mm. You know, if I'm like, I'm, I have like this visual and um, like the, tra our tradition is just so rich with, with like ritual and language and space to to integrate in with, with nature. And I feel that's really where it's, 
and I'm, I'm struggling to find language here because it, I feel like I'm trying to describe two things that are the same. Mm-hmm. And for me, my practice is, you know, my, my Jewish practice feels very rooted. Note the pun <laughs> in nature and the way I understand and the way that I approach. Yeah. And the way that I practice is a very, what do they call it? Orthodox. Orthodox. <laughs> I've never heard that. Orthodox, I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and and my understanding of of all of it is really shaped by my relationship to the outdoors. Like how I relate to and understand what divine is is completely completely shaped by like that a spirituality that I experience being in the mountains or in a forest. Um yeah, if wow. Yeah. Whoa. So I guess this is kind of a hard question to ask now, but do you see the two as informing each other? And do you see them as like playing off each other? Can you imagine one without the other? Hmm. Or are they just so interconnected that it's like hard to even have that? I, and again, I'm just sharing like where, you know, I think, you know, these are just one of the topics, you know, talking about religion, religion, politics, and sex. Isn't there like a podcast about no, all the things that people, what is it? Religion, sex, and money. There's like a podcast where people just talk about all the things that people don't want to talk about. That's a um, brilliant like, idea. Yeah. It's actually pretty funny. They have some good episodes. Who did but, it? Uh, what? Whose podcast is it? I don't know. Maybe it's like NPR. Religion, cool. sex, and money. Okay, I'll um, but, and again, and I'm, I'm really just sharing my perspective and my experience. And um, I think if I can say, you know, when you talk about religion, again, it's like this, um, it's, a, it's a sensitive mm-hmm. conversation. It doesn't have to be. But if I had, like, for me, for me, the way I understand Judaism and the way that I actually relate to religion in general, I think it's everyone is, we're all just trying to find a language of connection. Mm. And whether you're a practicing Jew or practicing Buddhist or practicing Christian, it's, again, the way that I see it is... Um, yeah, there's these, this is a language that we've developed, you know, thousands and thousands of years, different communities, different faiths have developed to, to seek out and establish connection with divine and with each other and with the natural world. Mm. And I think that's, you know, when I ask the question is like, the, if there's a, if you want to, and I, I don't want to use the word objective truth because I don't there isn't really such a thing. <laughs> it's like, it's again, it's a tricky term, but like the truest thing that I've ever experienced has been nature. Like it's just, it just feel it feels like truth. And I have taken experiences like, you know, in nature and translated them into my Jewish practice. Yeah. And 
Can you give an example of that? You know, you mentioned prayer. Yeah, I mean, it can. I can get like pretty (laughs) woo-woo, you know, and there's um, like, I I think there's something very holy about the outdoors. For me, it's the most sacred space. Mm. Definitely the most sacred space. And like, when we talk about sacred spaces in more, you know, um, like civil places, like synagogues and churches, it's, for me, everything feels like a reflection of nature. Yeah. It's like the OG. (laughs) (laughs) The OG holy ground. Yeah. The OG holy grail. Yeah. And and maybe I need more time to think about it, like to refine the language I'm using. But I think it's taking the, the sensation and the feeling and the meaning that I experience in the outdoors and and using that, yeah, it's like when, and again, I, it's also important to mention, you know, that I grew up in, in an Orthodox community and an Orthodox home. So we had very specific definitions of what prayer means and what right. um, observance meant. And so that, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to really answer this question without naming that because that completely informs also like you know when i'm trying to explain oh i've gotten to re-explore what prayer means not from a book and not from a person but from a a, a field of wheat mm-hmm. yeah, it's wow. important yeah it's important because it's like that contrast is there also because i'm like i'm not starting from scratch and i'm totally starting from scratch Mm. and so for me on a very personal note it's been it's been really 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 helpful in informing my Jewish practice because I feel like nature has been the most honest teacher that I ever got to learn from wow um yeah I think that's a really good segue into my next question which is what are some hopes that you have for the Jewish community when it comes to our connection to the natural world, like you were saying, coming from the Orthodox world, it's less connected to that natural, the natural world in that way. So what are some hopes that you have? I want there to be a homecoming, (laughs) like, you know, and that way, like I want, I want people to feel at home in this space and, you know, sadly, I've seen it feels so foreign to so many people like, oh, I don't I don't really I feel uncomfortable going outside. It's not my thing. And and I think that's also fair. I think it's like it's important to know that like, OK, I am really passionate about something. And it's not like, oh, my dream should everyone should feel just as passionate and excited as I do about the things that are important to me. And I get it. Some people are um, like enjoy different things and that. Yeah cool and important but the ways that it shows up even you know and this comes back to like the environmental education you know even Mm -hmm. if it's like okay your dream day isn't like laying down in a meadow and foraging and like you know you're you want to sit in a coffee shop and read a book and I do that too but like it's the awareness the day-to-day of like not you know you know compost 
be, mm-hmm. and not just because like, you know, Toronto, we've been, they've been making us do that for a few <laughs> years, but do that because it's like, not because someone's asking you to, but because it's important to you and not, and because as you know, someone defines themselves as a religious person, it's, it's hard for me to, and I can get like upset with this. Sometimes it's like, how, how can you like throw garbage on the ground and mm. call yourself a religious person? Yeah. You know, it's like taking care of this planet. is like the, I think the holiest work that we have to do. And, the, and again, I want to like, just hold space. It's like, yeah, nothing's black and white and we all live in contradiction. But I think my hope is like, there's, there's more of that, there's more of that connection you know, that it's not like, oh, I'm, I have my Jewish practice and I have like my earth practice. It's one of the same. Understanding and that again, relationship. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like one of the things that we did when I, you know, I talked about Teva earlier and my time there, the first thing we did when we had a group of students come, you know, Monday, they, they showed up on the bus and we had a little skit of Bereshit, you know, so we had Adam and we had Chava. Um, my, I played the voice of God, which was fun. Nice. <laughs> that was yeah. my role. Can and we, we had like we a, little... a little. Can we get a taste of that? Oh man. Oh, do I remember my lines? Adam. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, I just like spoke really low and loud and like yeah. very close to the mic. Um Oh man, I should get that <laughs> rip somewhere. Um, and the that skit, yeah, that skit that we performed for them was like the the opening lines of very sheet Genesis, and it was when Adam was tasked with la avoda ul shamra, is like mm-hmm. to to safeguard her and maintain her and watch her, respect her, however you want to translate, and that that's like yeah the opening scene of like the torah and if that doesn't say it i honestly don't know what else can and it's like and correct me if i'm wrong but is that not like the first conversation i should know this because i did this for six months but that you know you know the divine and man have this interaction and god's like here's this like really awesome, gorgeous gift. Just like do me a favor, like love her, take care of her. And um, yeah, that's why I'm like compost, yo. <laughs> it's, compost. <laughs> it's, it's important. It's important. And and like I also I'm not perfect, but and right. and I yeah, living in a city, it's like less single use plastic. I have to be honest. I don't always yeah. compost, but I think, and again, just to like return to the question, my hope isn't that we're all do like no one's ever gonna be perfect around these things. And sure. um I just like I guess if people want even the want mm. to want or the want to care, and it takes time to to really cultivate a relationship, you know, to, to become to, and I still feel like I'm working on mine and I wish yeah. I took better care of the environment Me too. and, 
yeah, I have a lot of work to do. And yeah, and it's not necessarily, I would say it's the first step for me isn't about what we're even doing. It's like, how are we, are we talking about it even, you know, mm-hmm. do we care? How do we, if we, if we don't care, how do we cultivate care? How do we want to want to create a connection to this? Um, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. And how, how do we do that? Hmm. I think that's what I know. And I, I think that's what exactly you're doing right now is like having these conversations and putting them out there for people to listen to and be like intrigued or interested or inspired um, to invest and go outside go outside yeah yeah that's the hope dream. Yeah. Thank dream. you. yeah yeah <laughs> it was outside <laughs> it was wonderful yeah thank you so much mary i really appreciated oh, having you. this conversation with you yeah me too really yeah, i really appreciated what you shared and yeah, it means a lot that you were on here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this month's episode. I want to thank my friend, Mary Kaiser, for having this conversation with me and being open about her experiences in the outdoors. We wish her all the best in her future endeavors. Keep up with us on Instagram at basada underscore outdoors for the latest about the podcast and some thoughts and pictures from me and my furry co-host, Nala. Hope you're well. Go get outside.